And so we kind of got to spitball around some ideas of what we talked about. And one of the things yeah. that um, I really, like my heart was for was like loving yourself and realizing that we need to um, uh, love like, we need to love ourselves before we can love others. And we need to know who we are from God, and we need to know that we're loved and accepted this way before we can give this way. And that's so important because we can't... The, the Bible says that we love because he first loved us. So that means in order for us to love, in order for us to do anything, we have to realize that we are loved first before we have the capability of loving. And that's so important. And so my heart overall for us tonight is for us to realize that we are loved and accepted just the way that we are. Just the way that you are right now sitting in the room. What Just the way that you were five years ago. Just the way that you are going to be tomorrow. You are loved fully and accepted for who you are. And you cannot do anything to earn it period end of story bottom line the other thing is i felt really when i was praying about this and i asked god how he wanted to convey it is i i felt like god was saying that he wants us to realize that he uses people and he uses our community and our family to re to let us realize that we are loved and accepted for who we are and tonight we're gonna we're gonna kind of look at a little bit more of what that looks like and then we're gonna do an exercise so we can all realize that so uh, i'm gonna try and go Fast, but not too fast, because we don't have a ton of time. But I'm going to honor what the Lord is doing. So tonight, if you have your Bibles or your iPhones or your Androids or whatever you use, get them up, hold them out. Uh, we're going to turn to John 8, and we're going to start in verse 1. So I'll give you guys a second to turn there. This is... You can hear. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Otherwise, you can't hear. Like, and used to be able to in church when I was growing up, the pastor would say, get it out to this. And you hear the whole, you know, everything flip and everyone's turning. And now it's like silence because everyone pulls their phones out. It's sad. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Flapping birds. Okay. So John 8. This is the story of the woman uh, that Jesus saved from getting stoned. This is one of my personal favorite stories. Um, one, any story that involves a woman in the Bible is probably going to be one of my favorites because yeah. I can relate to her the most. <laughs> but this is this and, and the story of uh, the alabaster jar are probably my two favorite stories. So uh, I'm really excited to kind of look at this. Um, and I'm going to do my best to get through all of this without crying, but I'm not promising anything. Okay, so verse 1, I'm reading out of NLT. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. So that means he'd been there before. So he returned. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. So just to clarify, adultery is a type of sexual sin, just in case we didn't know what that is. So she was basically, like, caught cheating or, like, you know, like, sleeping around back in the day. Like, that's kind of the official word, just so we all are clarified there. Uh, so you can kind of, you know, where we're going with this. So imagine the shame. Imagine this woman is, like, she's caught in this sin, right? She's caught in this embarrassing, shameful sin, and it's being brought in front of everybody. So just imagine, even if like a simple like white lie, you know, no one likes to be caught lying. We've all lied and no one likes to be caught when you do it, even if it's a simple white lie, right? You know, and, and imagine even your simplest of white lies being brought up in front of everybody and it being told to an entire crowd. That sucks. <laughs> and that's embarrassing, right? Or even like, like a mistake that you made being brought in front of everybody. So just imagine the simplest of that and, and then take it to the gravity of something as, as what, especially in this day, adultery was considered in front of a crowd full of people and imagine what this woman is feeling. 
So in verse 4, it says, Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? So they've now put the fate of this woman in the hands of Jesus. Because in this day, you were supposed to stone them. And the stoning, just so we understand, stoning consisted, there was a couple different ways. And I was looking it up. And one of them, in order for someone to be stoned, at least two witnesses or more had to come forward and say that they caught this person in the act of what they were doing. So that means at least two people like went to a Pharisee or a religious leader of some sort and said, hey, we saw this woman sleeping around with someone who's not her husband. Or we saw this woman being a prostitute. Or we they witnessed some sort of sin. And they like had to direct like hey we're like tattletailing on her we're going to tell you what she did that was wrong and so at least so she's being accused right she's being brought in front of people and then when stoning was is the way it would work is they'd gather and they'd take them to a place uh, and there'd be a crowd of people there and the, the people that accused them so at least two people would take giant stones and throw them directly at their heart and then if the two stones didn't kill them then they would be stoned by the entire rest of israel until the person died so it wasn't just this, like, like I have always imagined it is like someone stands there with rocks and be like, you suck, boom, you suck, boom, which is, which sucks, but it's not as like, think of this as like two people throw giant stones straight at your chest, and if that doesn't kill you, then the entire rest of your community throws stones at you until you die. Because that's like, you, that's what the punishment for sin. And so then they say, and they put this on Jesus. In verse 6, it says, They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. And just imagine, like, the most awkward of awkward silences that had to have been. Right? <laughs> yeah. They're like, everyone looks at Jesus, and he just stoops down and writes in the dust. They had to evolve. They're like, cricket, cricket, cricket. Like, had to be so quiet. <laughs> and they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again, and he said, All right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. So imagine the silence before and imagine the silence after this one. That had to have been a deafening, like heart-wrenching silence. Because when you think about it, every single one of us have sinned in one way, shape, or another. Some sins are more obvious than others. You know, if we're... You know, the sin of adultery is not quite as obvious as the sin of lying. Or it's all the exact same, though. Like, there's not a difference in sin. So that doesn't mean that because you've done one thing that the world considers worse doesn't mean that you're any worse or better than the person next to you. We're all on an equal playing field. Everything is level at the foot of the cross. And, and this is one of the things that, like, Jesus didn't say that, but that's the point. Is that, okay, well, if you, if you haven't sinned, then go ahead. You can stone her. But if you have, you have no right to. And then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. And so he's leaving the decision on the people. Verse 9. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to her, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. So Jesus was the only person without sin there. He was the only person. And he said, if any one of you is without sin, cast the stone. And he was the only person with the ability to do that because he was without sin. Yet he was the one that didn't even pick up a stone. Didn't even cross his mind to pick one up and accuse her. And I love that it says the oldest, 
with starting with the oldest one by one they walked away I love that because I think that as we get older we get wiser and I think that as we get older we also realize the gravity of everything so I think that it hit them first another thing this is just a random side note I also think that it's important that the older generation sets the example so where in this moment they might not have like deliberately been I'm going to set the example for the people younger than me the Lord use it as an opportunity for them to realize to, to see that and that's just that's just a random little rabbit trail um but what I also, what I love, I never caught this before, and maybe it's just the NLT version, was she was, Jesus stood in the middle of the crowd. And the other version said, like, everybody walked away, and they walked away, but this makes it sound like everyone stood back. And Jesus still affirmed her in front of everybody there. Mm-hmm. This is the crowd was still there, right? Jesus, so I'm imagining this circle of this woman who's probably already been beaten up a little bit. She's feeling ashamed, accused broken, embarrassed, and she's probably hating herself. She's thinking back and wishing she'd never done any of the things that she did, and at this point, she probably just wants it all to be over with. She probably just wants it to be done so she doesn't have to deal with that shame anymore. And I don't know about anybody in this room, but I know when I've dealt with shame, that's where I've felt, is I wanted it all to just go away, and I wanted to pretend like it just never happened. And in this case, when you're, she's facing, in that day, certain death, she's probably thinking, just get it over with. Just get it done. And Jesus does the exact opposite, where he says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And I just love that. Because he looked at her in all of the the filth, all of the lies, and looked at her as she was and said, I love you. I forgive you. Don't go sin anymore. You're not condemned. You're not held to this. And I want you to think of a moment where you felt super condemned and super ashamed of something that you've been through or walked or done or said, whatever it is. And, and I want you to imagine what it would be like having Jesus say that, stand there and say, I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. You don't have to sin any longer. That's an amazing feeling. And what's so powerful is that forgiveness comes before the changing. So he doesn't ask us to change And then you're forgiven. He doesn't say, okay, Emily, now go and fix everything that you've ever done. Go fix all your problems, and then I'll forgive you, and then I'll accept you, and then you can become a part of my family. He says, no, I love you. I forgive you for who you are, and now I want you to change because you're loved and forgiven. It's not like he doesn't come to us and say, get fixed, and then you're accepted into heaven. He says, no, you're accepted into heaven. You're loved. Realize that I love you. Okay, now let's change our ways. Okay, now let's walk in the path of better decisions. Okay, now let's not think of ourselves in such a lowly way. Now let's hold ourselves to a higher standard. He forgives, and then he asks us to change. And, and the thing is, is I don't even know. I mean, he asks us, but it changes in our hearts. Like, I think that we have something inside of us that says, I want to live better. Yeah. I don't want you. I doubt that that woman walked away and said, okay, I'm going to go back into that life of adultery. No, she's like, I want to change now. I've been forgiven. I'm like, my slate is wiped clean and I want to live in a completely new way. Earlier in worship, Pastor Andrew, when he was talking about like, and like those like thoughts from our past or whatever, and, and looking at them through Jesus and seeing Jesus there, I was envisioning something that uh, had happened to me a long time ago that I was really ashamed of. And I saw Jesus. Do you remember when like uh, 
back in the day when we used to like color on computers and like you had that but you could like size the erasers and you could take the eraser and like get rid of yeah, the paint thank you and you could like get rid of it I saw Jesus like that and it almost looked like a painting and I saw Jesus take this big like piece of white and just go like this and it completely disappeared this like scene in my head and it smacked me because I realized like I'd always thought like okay like because of that I just need to do better in life and I was using my sin and my mistake to like motivate me to do better versus my forgiveness and, and, and I was using this thing like, okay, I don't want to ever do that again, so I need to change. Okay, that's, that's good. But the thing is, is Jesus says, no, I don't want you to change because of your mistake. I want you to change because I forgave you. I want you to change because I paid the price for your sin. I want you to change because I've wiped your sweat clean and you have an opportunity to start new. You can have, here's a new brush. Here's new paint. This is all bright and vibrant. Let's do something with it. What do you want to do next? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to travel to? What job do you want to have? We have endless opportunities because he wipes our sweat completely slate completely clean he loved her in the midst of her failure he accepted her completely broken he wiped her slate clean and said go whatever you want to do with your life go and do it you're not held to any old standard you don't have to to be a part of sin any longer you can go and live a new life what i love is that he also did it in front of community so, so that there was also, and, and I, I'm assuming that there were people who loved her that were standing in the crowd. I'm assuming that there's this crowd of Israel gathers, and she had to have had friends and family. And the cool thing is, is they got to watch her slate wiped clean. They, uh, that means that they got to watch her be completely forgiven and get the opportunity to walk anew. And I love that because in community and in family, we have the opportunity to be wiped new like we are, and then our family and friends can help hold us accountable. There's people in this room that I count in my inner circle, and there are people that can, like, hey, you're not held to that standard anymore. Like, Christy and I have had all kinds of awesome talks, and she is totally a person that encourages me. It's like, hey, we're not discouraged by that anymore. We're walking in this direction or whatever it is. Like, this is totally, and that's what we're here for. Um, and tonight we're going to kind of have, have an opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and one of an analogy that, um, pastor Andrew gave that's, that's really awesome is, mm-hmm. is like an iceberg. So when you look at an iceberg, you only see the top part of it, right? You only see this bit, which is why the Titanic crashed because it small, saw the small iceberg and tried to go around it. And instead it ran into the giant thing underneath and crashed. Okay. <laughs> but just a little reference. So we're not crashing though. Don't worry. But the thing is, is we are all icebergs. There's this part of us that's seen that the public sees that your friends see that your family see. And then there's this whole bit underneath the water that nobody sees. And there's parts of us that all of us are like that, is where you see some of us, you see some of me. Some of you see more of me than others of you do, but others of you only see the part that it's a speak or whatever. You don't know necessarily what we all walk through on a day-to-day basis. So we're going to have an opportunity. I'm going to go first, and then we're going to break up into groups. And we're gonna, there's a saying, that if you really knew me, you would know. And, 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 I, and it, we can be as simple as, like, if you really knew me, you would know that uh, I really love Mexican food. It is my favorite dish. And if you really knew me, you would know that I will go to a Mexican food restaurant probably morning, noon, and night if I could. And that. Or <laughs> can be something as deep as, like, if you really knew me, you would know that I hardcore battle with stress and anxiety every single day. That sometimes, like, I am a GM at Panera, and sometimes I love my job, and other days I really would rather just turn my keys in and walk away because it's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And there's days where I have to deal with people who yell at me for a reason than we, you know, 
they didn't get as much dressing on their salad as my they wanted to. <laughs> my soup is not hot enough. Your bread is not fresh. Even, <laughs> trust me, ma'am, I pulled it out of the oven myself. Well, it's not fresh. Or, you know, as simple as my associates being upset because I didn't give them uh, a shift that they wanted, whatever it might be. Every single day I, I deal with that kind of stuff and I go home sometimes and I'm so overwhelmed and I'm so stressed out and I don't handle it very well. But if you didn't know me every day, you wouldn't necessarily know that. I try really hard. Another thing, if you knew me, you would know that I try really hard to keep it composed and keep it together like I have it all together all the time. And reality is I don't at all. And I, and I realize that that's actually a huge flaw that I have. My, my best friend was home over the weekend. One of our friends got married. And we were driving home and we were having a conversation. And I was saying something about um, I'm a huge self-critic. And if somebody like... I'm totally, another thing, if you really knew me, you'd know, uh, somebody could like slightly look at me the wrong way and I instantly think I did something wrong. I'm always like overreading and accusing myself of all these kind of things before like anyone ever, anything ever comes out of anyone's mouth. Like, you know, like I am always like, I'm constantly putting myself in a circle and, and, you know, critique everything I say or do and think that, you know, oh my gosh, if I say something wrong, Pastor Andrew's never going to let me speak again or like, you know, any, like things like that. And I know it's silly, but that's what, that's what I go through. That's just like how my brain works. And I know that that's not truth, but that, but the thing is, if you really knew me that, you know, that's something I struggled with. And I had a conversation with my best friend where I was sharing some of this stuff and I realized that she didn't even know anything. Like she didn't even know that about me. And she's my best friend. She's been my best friend for a decade, over a decade. And I got so rocked because I was like, there's something wrong. If I can't let myself be vulnerable enough that my best friend wouldn't even know that, you know? And it hit me that there's something so important about community. And at the end of James, uh, I can't see now. Okay, James 5.16 says, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's healing when we talk about what our struggles are with people. There's healing because it also lets us know that we're accepted and that we're loved for who we are. Like, she instantly responded with like, oh my gosh, really? I had no idea. No. Like, and all these awesome, like, responses to that. And it's the same thing. Like, there's, if you were to turn to the person next to you and be like, I struggle with this, I can guarantee you they're not going to respond in judgment. You know, like, I was giving the example, John is like my little brother. John and I have had all kinds of gnarly talks. We've gotten real, you know, like, brother-sister status. And like we've been able to talk about all kinds of stuff and walk away knowing that John doesn't think any less of me because he found out what I used to struggle with back in the day and I don't think any less of him because I found out what he used to struggle with in fact we actually had more respect for each other because we could relate better and he was like wow I had no idea that you ever struggled with that and now I realize that you can understand me way better than I thought you could and that's so important and now I'm not saying that tonight you need to go and confess your deepest, darkest sins to everybody. Like, I'm not saying that you need to get stand next to somebody and, like, ray all out this stuff. I'm not saying that. But I want to encourage you to, to be real. And, and if you don't want to be real here tonight, then be real here with somebody in your family. Because the thing is, is that's one of the things that God uses as an opportunity for us to realize that we're loved and accepted that way. It's so important. So important. Because also, like... For example, Pastor Teresa is one of my mentor. One of my, is my mentor, and so you'd think like having your head pastor as your mentor could be scary because I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I say something that I'm struggling with? She's gonna think that I can't handle it. Oh my gosh, like if I'm stressed out about work, she's gonna think I can't handle a missions trip. Like silly, silly thoughts like that. But it has also been the most affirming and and like 
thing in my life because I've gone and she's like, that's okay. It's normal to struggle like that. We believe in you. We love you. We support you. We don't think any differently of you because you struggle with that or because you're stressed out about this kind of thing. We love you. We support you. I've met nothing but love and support anytime I've ever gone to any of my pastors or leaders with problems. Anytime. And I always think, oh, I'm a leader. Like, I can't go talk about my problems because they're going to take me out of leadership or they're going to think that I'm less of a person or whatever. No, every time I've ever gone to Pastor Andrew, like, I can't hold it together. He has met me with love and, like, comfort and respect and been like, I believe in you. You can do this. Success. Like, every single time. Seriously. And I think that sometimes we condemn ourselves in our head and put words in people's mouths before we even have the opportunity to let ourselves be encouraged. And when I think of the woman that was like in adultery and she's being um, like, like made fun of or like condemned by all these people, I can, I can, I see myself as that way, but I condemn myself. Like I can see myself standing there with all my other selves around me being like, Emily, why didn't you do this? You're not good enough at this. Why do you suck at that? Why can't you keep it together? You should have a better score at work. You should be better at spending more time with your family. You should spend more time with your friends. Why don't you pray more? All of these things I can see myself throwing at myself because we're our own worst critics. We are so self-condemning. You know, or if I go back and like listen to a message that I've done, people are like, good, awesome. That was a great message. Thanks. I go back and find every single time I messed up on a word or I stumbled or I didn't say something that I wanted to, or I should have said this instead, you know, or, or, you know, I'm driving home and I like almost hit somebody and I spend like, you know, cause someone cut me off or whatever. And even if it's not my fault, I spend the rest of the time thinking about how I could have like, you know, all these like whatever thoughts. The point is, is like, we also have to like get community around us for them to be like, shut up. Stop thinking about that. That's not true about yourself. Like, well, get your head out of the ground. Like, don't be an ostrich. Like, come on. Like, don't surround yourself with all this dark stuff. And it's so hard, guys. Like, I'm the first one to stand up here and say, like, I'm my own, like, worst prisoner. Like, it's so important. It's so important. Like, I'm the first to say it's hard. Like, it is hard to talk about it. This has been a journey for me to even get up here. Like, and I might seem like this has flown out of my mouth really easily, but I have had several moments this week where I was like, I don't want to be vulnerable right now. This is hard. I don't want to admit that I'm not perfect because I try too hard to be and I'm not and, and all of that stuff. And, and like I said, it might seem easy right now, but it's not like it's, it's hard. It's real. And that's okay. Like it is so important to be open and vulnerable with community so that we can realize we're loved and accepted by Jesus. Seriously. And I like want to tell you guys right now, everyone in this room, it doesn't matter if you were to walk up to me and tell me that you killed somebody. I would still love you and support you because Jesus <laughs> believes in you and loves you. Now, I'm not saying I couldn't like, wasn't necessarily going to do something about it. Like, you know, like there's a lot there. But I'm just saying like, I'm not, we're not going to judge you. You know, like it, it, it's true or, or whatever, whatever it is that you're dealing with. Like, we can look around the room and find love and support. Yeah. It's a safe place. This is like, like, I want to encourage you, like, this, this right here is a safe place. If you don't feel safe, maybe this is your first time here tonight, that's okay. I'm not asking you to go around and tell everybody. But I'm, I'm wanting to encourage you that, that maybe the next time you're with somebody really close to you, talk about what you're going through. Because the thing is, is we're all going through stuff. Nobody's perfect. We don't have it all together. None of us do. And every single day we walk through journeys. But the thing is, is whatever you're walking through, you are fully loved and fully accepted just the way that you are. And you don't have to do a single thing to earn God's love. In fact, when we, when we try to work it off, it's actually like in a way insulting him because he already paid for that. You know, I, I, was, I was thinking about 
like I've got to fix this or I got to do this at work or whatever it is and and Jesus is like you know I already figured it all out you just have to ask me mm-hmm. it's like oh I, I guess I forgot that like for some strange reason I forgot that he already paid the price and I don't need to work my sin off and I'll be the first person to tell you that you don't have to earn it but I am this but I will turn around and try to earn it as you know that's that's another that's something if you really knew me you know that for some reason I feel like I have to earn it but I don't. And, and I was getting wrecked earlier down here because the Lord was reminding me that I've done nothing. Like, I have done absolutely nothing to earn it, and I, I can't do anything to earn it. And I have done nothing to earn anything in my life. You know, like, I've made mistakes at work, and yet somehow I haven't seen a great favor to, to get promoted. You know, I've made mistakes in my family, yet somehow my parents continue to love me and, like, support me in whatever way that they can. You know, I've, and I've come to them and said, I lied about this and this. And they ex- responded with loving and kindness. And I was just couldn't believe it. And I did nothing to earn it. They just love me. And you guys, every single one of you are so loved. And you've done nothing to earn it. And just the way that you are as you're sitting in this room and just how you've always been, you've always been loved. And even when you walked in the midst of your hardest thing, you were always loved and accepted just that way. You could stop whatever you're doing right now and say, Jesus, I just need you and I don't know how to fix it. And he's going to come and say, okay, here's how. Let me fix it for you. So I want to take an opportunity, because I feel like the Lord's saying so, before we kind of get into groups and get the opportunity to pray and encourage one another. I want us to every if everyone could close your eyes, with every head bowed. I feel like there's people in the room tonight that maybe feel like that, that feel like they, they, that they're in a state where they can't come to Jesus and they maybe need to fix it. But I want to take an opportunity right now to invite you to come to him just as you are and maybe you've accepted Jesus before maybe you never have but he loves and accepts you just the way that you are right now and I just want to invite you that this is your moment this is your moment to turn and say Jesus accept me all my flaws, all my failures all of my mistakes just accept me And if that's you right now, I just want to invite you to, um, with every eye closed, no one's going to see you so you don't have to feel embarrassed. I want you to just raise your hand and I want to have the opportunity to pray with you. Whether it's for the first time or whether it's again, I'm just going to give you a moment. Awesome. Come on. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hand down. Maybe some of you in the, night, in the room tonight just aren't feeling accepted the way you are. Maybe you are walking with Jesus. Maybe you, you have fully accepted into your life, but you're just not feeling accepted as you are. You're feeling like you have to earn it. And we're going to take an opportunity to pray with you because I want you to realize that you are not denied. You are fully loved. You are fully accepted. Thank you, Lord. 
Yeah, so we're all just gonna we're all gonna pray together. So if you guys were as a group, we're just gonna um, pray out loud. So if you guys could just repeat after me, we're gonna pray first uh, for the people who want to just kind of take a turn and say, "This is the night that I'm choosing to know uh, that I'm fully accepted and coming back to the Lord." And then we're gonna pray again, uh, just as an opportunity for us to kind of let that settle in for us. Uh, say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Thank you for accepting me the way that I am. Thank you for accepting me the way that I am. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Come and fill me fresh again. Come and fill me fresh again. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for accepting me. And thank you for coming into my life. And thank you for coming into my life. I just ask that you fill me with the Holy Spirit. And with your presence. Thank you, God. God, I just thank you so much for everyone in this room tonight, God. I thank you that you love and accept us in the state that we're in right now. God, thank you that even though, Lord, we we don't believe it sometimes, that you do. You never doubt. You never doubt about us, God. You never have a moment of doubt about how you feel about us. You never have once doubted going the cross, God. You've never once thought twice about having to do it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. So, guys, we're just going to go ahead, and I want to give you the opportunity to just go ahead and let's break into groups of, like, maybe three or four people, even two people if you're not more comfortable with you. Um, and then we're just kind of circle your chairs around, cuddle, however you want to do it. And this is just an opportunity um, for you to share if you're going through something. And, and it's an opportunity for your community and the group around you to, to, to pray for you. So what's going to happen is you just kind of break into your groups and then um, let, like if someone wants to share, then let's, and then as soon as, once they share, gather around them, support them, love on them and pray for them. Um, and just let them know that they're incredibly loved, incredibly accepted. So we're just going to take about five to t- five or so minutes to go ahead and do that. And then you guys, two to three, yeah, two to three groups, of, maybe even four if you feel more comfortable, less or more. Go ahead, guys, and just kind of form groups. Yeah. And then go ahead and just start with that. If you really knew me, you would know and then share whatever that is. And kind of use that as a, as a tagline to, to be able to talk about that kind of stuff.